It's always been this conversation. There's always been a conversation around Apple's position on the repairability or lack of repairability or how the whole the entire repair and upgrade scene should uh, uh, interact with their products if at all uh-huh. I was uh, intimately involved with that stuff at one point in time you had a repair store yeah I was trying to replace batteries and trying to find workarounds and in the early days it was as simple as a screwdriver, which was difficult to get your hands on, that would be specifically tuned up for a particular device, laptop, or... And then the iPods and the mobile devices started to come out, and those things were just terrible to try to get into. You would have the heat gun out, and you would be have all the various pry tools because the glue started to get used because everything was so seamless. And then inside of those devices, there would be things like... I remember early ones, there'd be like a little piece of tape or a little piece of paper that would change colors if it was exposed to moisture and i would have people come into my old shop that would have some kind of a uh, well it could have been an ipod or even an early iphone i don't remember which one had this feature in it or i think even actually the laptops at one point had this as well and they'd say they'd say look i was just at the apple store and they refused to repair my device because they can see that it was exposed to water, so they're done. They don't even want to touch it. Mm-hmm. And then they would show up in my little shop, and I'd be like, well, I'll try. I'll see what I can do. And in some cases, it, it would be something simple, but in other cases, I would have to just tap out and say there's nothing I can do. Or in other cases, I had some people I could reach out to who were even more advanced that could could repair certain things. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's been increasingly heading in this direction where repairability, long-term use, the recycling of old goods has uh, not been something that Apple's been interested in. And for a variety of reasons, not just simply that they want to make more money, although they don't, they totally do not mind making more money, but also people's concerns around their devices when it comes to privacy, you know, that's the, the, the type of things that we're storing inside of these mobile devices the attachment to our various accounts and uh, our uh, payment apps and our payment credentials and things like this. And and also the embedded nature of them. It's all, everything is built on one thing. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, this story comes out, Apple sues recycling partner for reselling more than 100,000 iPhones, iPads, and watches it was hired to dismantle. So these companies have existed for a long time. I remember some of these, Companies like this existed even back when I was doing this thing. And people, once it was determined that a that a device was no longer, it was no longer uh, reasonable to repair it, then it would go into this next realm of, well, what can we pull from it that may or may not work? Mm-hmm. And that could be simple things. If it were an iPod, it would have been like a headphone jack. Can you save a headphone jack and then maybe use that in a device in the future that's the same model that you could then... Mm-hmm put into that unit or a battery or what can you salvage mm-hmm. it happens in the automotive industry all the time and there's been people the guy from i fix it and lewis rossman on youtube mm-hmm. there's been people who very vocal about how they've been treated in an attempt to prolong the function of either apple devices or apple components well anyway it turns out that apple uh, probably because they do so much of their own 
purchasing of old devices now and also because they do apple care they do their own repairs in store they accumulate likely a huge number of busted devices mm -hmm. or partially functioning devices and and it appears based on this particular article that they have more than they even know what to do with or, or more than they're willing to attempt to figure out so they hire companies like this one. This company was called Geep Canada. How about that? A Canadian firm, hmm. part of Quantum Lifecycle Partners. And they hire them, I don't know what to do, to, to take on these older devices and I suppose sift through them to extract components that Apple would then want to sell or reuse themselves. I'm not really sure. But what, en what ends up happening here, at least this is... Uh, this, what Apple is stating, this is the accusation, is that this company, Geep, takes 103,845 iPhones, iPads, and watches that they were hired to disassemble, which is almost 12,000 pounds of products. And then rather than destroy them, which was what the instruction was, they were able to resell those components. Mm. And Geep, by the way, this company, they go on to say, well... That wasn't officially sanctioned. They say, we understood the contract and it was actually a couple of rogue employees that on the side were selling this stuff. Man, you talk about 103,000 iPhones. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they're busted. That's a lot of money, mm -hmm. man, because there's still the opportunity to rebuild those things. Yeah. And there's value still there. So my, I have a couple of uh, immediate things that stick out to me when I read a story like this. Because now, of course, uh, Apple is suing them, I suppose. Apple is seeking to obtain $31 million Canadian, which is $22.7 USD from its former partners. So they're suing them now. They're very, they're really not happy with this. They want to send a message probably to the other partners they work with. You try this, we bury you. We are Apple. Mm -hmm. And it does appear that regardless of which side of this you're on, it does appear that Geep did not uh follow the the document they did not follow the agreement whether it was rogue employees or otherwise these things leaked out but then the next standout thing to me is if you have 103,845 iPhones, iPads and watches and you're hired to disassemble them and then destroy them and there's still value in them why do you have to destroy them mm -hmm. it seems it seems that and and I I suppose if if one of those devices was my old device I would want it destroyed as well, but which component in there or which series of components actually house any personal data versus which don't and should probably be reused if possible like a battery for example or something like this. Mm -hmm. It's I don't know how feasible that is obviously and. If I'm Apple, I'm probably sitting there saying, what a headache that is. Mm -hmm. I got billions. I got trillions. I got money on the line here. I'm j I just want my stuff destroyed. Just please get rid of it. Yeah. Apple always wants the control, even if it's destroying something. It's probably the cleanest way. But then you got guys, and I'm sure, like the people I mentioned earlier that are sitting there saying, that stuff is good stuff. People want to have the potential to hang on to their products that are working fine for them longer if this stuff ends up back in the supply chain, even if it's a you know, the places like eBay and so so on. And then people can utilize it, not warranted by Apple or anything like that, but people can utilize that to keep devices operational instead of destroying them. Now, I'm sure Apple's not the only company that does this. 
I'm sure there's many others that are a part of it. And for them, it's small potatoes. Even even uh, 500,000 iPhones, iPads, and Apple Watches, which is what they sent this company between January of 2015 and December of 2017. Uh, that's, that's nothing to them. They move units, Willie do. Mm. So I get it from their perspective. Why bother? But you really wish there were some other way in which this stuff could be utilized instead of destroyed. And I don't even know what destroyed entails. What do they burn it? What are they doing with it? It's a lot of questions. Yeah. Grind it up. <laughs> Stick it in a blend tech. <laughs> you see where I'm going? It's, a, it's hard to know. We don't get the full story. We don't have all the information. But we do know there's a big e-waste problem. There's a tremendous amount of e-waste. In fact, Apple will often go out of their way to say we're combating e-waste. But then you get stories like this and you wonder if they actually are or if they're responsible for creating tremendous amount of it. It's a tough situation. There's no easy answer to it. And I'm sure, uh, like I said, we're just scratching the surface. We don't have all the details. But nonetheless, an interesting story, 103,000 iPhones, iPads, and watches that skirted out of that factory and in some ended up somewhere. Where did they all go? Is it like when you and I were in Shenzhen and, and we're in the markets there and it's all these pieced together iPhones that have been rebuilt? Mm. Is that where all this stuff, does it just, it probably does. It probably just goes on a shipping container straight yeah. back to Shenzhen where those guys are like, yeah, of course we can rebuild this yeah, stuff. No we'll problem. This, take everything. Yeah, for them, they're like, this This afternoon for me, 100,000 mm -hmm. iPhones, put them back together, please. Mm -hmm. No problemo. Mm -hmm. But of course, Apple, then they got that Apple badge floating around. And they're, and they're worried, man. Yeah. Concerned. Somebody claims, yeah, that's a legit iPhone. Meanwhile, inside, mm -hmm. you know, it's the shoddy soldering. Well, no offense to those involved. I'm sure they do good work. But yeah. you understand where I'm going, Will. Mm -hmm. It's complicated. We have some benchmarks that emerged. On these new uh, A14 chips, well, you know the uh, the Apple Silicon? Yeah. You're a big A14 guy or what? I like it. It looks pretty it's promising. Cool. This is uh, going to ship in the iPad Air 4, which was kind of the star, I, I suppose the star of their recent event, uh, online virtual only event at Apple HQ over there. So I guess I uh, Ice Universe was the first to pick it up. He saw it pop up on Geekbench. And as expected, it, it blew the previous iPad Air out of the water because that thing only had an A12. But then they also compared it to the A13. That's, uh, that's the current chip that's inside the iPhone 11s because people want to speculate on what those next-gen iPhones might look like from a performance improvement perspective because it's always leaps with these series when they put out a new series. And the iPhone has been a very powerful device depending on which metric you want to measure. There are many... Apple fans out there to say it's hands down. It's the fastest chip. That's it. It's the fastest mobile chip. Get out of my face. Mm. I mean, I don't say that because obviously there's various factors involved. Yeah. And uh, f and it's hard to... Fast doing what? Like fast out, you know, is, yeah. a, is a benchmark the be all and end all? Or how do you do these real speed tests? You know who was trying to figure that out? My old pal, Phone Buff. He yeah. would do speed tests where he's tapping the apps opening mm -hmm. the apps, doing real-world speed tests to figure out which is the snappiest. Now, of course, iPhone always does very well, so I'm not trying to downplay it. It's, mm -hmm. it, is, uh, it is arguably the fastest device in the world, the iPhone 11 Pro at the moment, arguably. And it's only going to get faster because this A14 chip, which may be optimized even further for the iPhone once it finally comes out, is, uh, is defeating the previous model on single-core and multi-core scores. 
Uh, when compared to the 13, it looks like it's about a 20% improvement, I believe. Let me just track this down in the article here. Yeah, 20% faster in single core and 28% faster in multi-core. That's the A14 versus the A13 Bionic that's in the current iPhone 11. Of course, there could be some improvements on graphics as well, comparatively. And when you go all the way back to the A12 stuff, it's much faster because those are obviously older products. And if you're comparing iPad to iPad, then that's what you would be looking at. So I, I suppose that that is some promising news. There's an update, October 4th, which brings into the equation the metal score. And, and once again, you see the graphical power improve also, which could be key because Apple is likely continuing to work on their, on their arcade product. You know, the mobile gaming thing, the game streaming conversation has become such a big, uh, big thing. And Apple has taken a stance uh, kind of against some of the rest of the industry in terms of how it's treating Microsoft, how it was treating Google Stadia, how it was treating uh, Amazon, who wants, wanted to launch a game streaming service or will launch a game streaming service. And of course, who am I missing? I am missing Facebook, who also wanted to launch mm -hmm. a game streaming service. And Apple has kind of been, well, they haven't been the most receptive to the idea of a single application, which then launches you into a variety of game streams. However, we have a new note here a note, a tweet from a user called Fudge who claims that Apple Arcade is now getting big money poured into it. Current titles are in the works aiming to rival the likes of Breath of the Wild, uh, console level games. Mm -hmm. uh, if they can pile those into Apple Arcade, maybe people start forgetting about all the game streaming services that they can't get on right. iOS in the same way they can get on Android. So if I'm Apple, yeah, I'm doing that too. Mm -hmm. That's, that would be a huge area of focus for me. I got all this money anyway. Mm -hmm. Let me get these real games going. Let's get some exclusives. Exclusives in, that people really want to play yep. inside of the arcade. Pro I don't know how many subscriptions people are expected to have. That's one of the issues. But if this thing is as powerful as these early benchmarks are implying, this could be one of the best mobile gaming experiences you could have, whether it happens to be on uh, an iPhone 12 or a next-generation iPad like the iPad Air 4. Mm. Something like that. iPad Air 4. That feels weird saying that. Speaking of console-level gaming, we have some new information uh, relating to the PlayStation 5. Some some actual humans got their hands on PlayStation 5s. It wasn't us. No. You know why it wasn't us? Because we're not Japanese YouTubers. Yeah. So we got... Did they, any flights still operating to Japan? We can quickly become Japanese YouTubers. Yeah, we could. What do we need? A little, a tiny little office somewhere in Japan, and we set up a, a, a Japan channel. Learn Japanese. We okay. We well, that would be. Can yeah. we just have a host? I'm saying we have an arm. We have a Japanese unbox therapy. Yeah. And it could even be a different host. We could just all uh, we got to do is set it up. Maybe Ken Belito. He can help. Oh yeah, he it. loves going to yeah. Japan. Yeah. Anyway, so some people got their hands on it. Because obviously we didn't do what I just stated. Uh, a couple of YouTubers, I, I'm not sure their channels. Uh, two of the channels are written in Jap, three of them, and one in English here, Sanin Show. Anyway, they all shared footage of Astro's Playroom and Godfall in action. They also shared their impressions of the system itself, stating that it ran very cool, very quietly as well, and the load times were, were non-existent with the very fast 
SSD that's in there. They just booted it up and they were ready to go. They, of course, in this article, they also shared uh, the different colors for the lighting on the new, what do they call it? Motion sense controller. Dual sense. Dual sense. Wasn't the old one dual sense? Isn't, no, they call it dual sense. You're right, Well, Why did I, where did I read motion sense? Is that one of the features? Is that the haptic feature? Is that what it's it called? Might be, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't. There's a lot of sense going anyway, on. Anyway, you're sensing things. Yeah. If when you're playing PlayStation 5, your senses are ignited. Like five gum. That's right. <laughs> Is that their slogan? Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's some uh, some other interesting findings here or tidbits. The X button will now be the uh, standard confirm button in all regions. This was mind-blowing to me. Previously, yeah. the circle button was the confirm button in Japan and the X button in North America. Yeah, which they're... I, I read about it too. They oh. seem really furious about that. In Japan, the they're mad? Yeah. Like, we love the circle. Yeah. How are we going to learn this the X, X is thing? Like a, it's like a cancel. Like How are we going to learn that? this X thing? Yeah. Yeah, but the position of the X is more... It makes more sense. Yes, right? I mean, yeah. it's the closest button. It's the lowest button. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so uh, they show off the lighting in blue, red, green, and purple. It's uh, it, That's pretty fresh looking. It's a subtle... It's a subtle aspect to it. They touched upon how the adaptive triggers and haptic feedback, how nice they feel. They love it. I mean, look, let's be honest, Will. You're a Japanese YouTuber. Sony hits you up, right? They hit you on the phone. They hit you in the DMs, whatever, and they say, look, we're going to pick four people. You're going to come across here. You're going to check out the new PlayStation 5. No one put their hands on it. You're going to put your hands on it. You're going to come over there. When you put your hands on it, you're going to go, lovely haptics. Right? <laughs> you're going to... You're going to talk about the sense. sense. You're going to talk about the load times. I mean, you're going to be... There's only so much you can do in that environment and the expectation and, and all the rest of it. And you're going to try your best to, um, you know, to look for what you think is positive, what's cool, what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's what the world's looking for anyway. All right, quick reminder here. It's going to be released November 12th. U.S., Japan, Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea. And then November 19th, everywhere else. Refresh on the cost, the main unit, with the, the the big boy with the disk drive, $499 USD, the digital only, $399 USD. And who knows? Oh, they didn't show off the UI either. That's coming at a later date. I suppose that's similar to what Microsoft did. But I still feel that Sony has to catch up here in North America. They got to hit up people like us, Will, mm -hmm. because we got the Xbox stuff already. And we got to start contrasting and comparing. Yeah, I hear you. We got to get our hands on with it. Uh-huh. Uh, they had their hands on with it, but actually the, the event they had looked really monitored. So I, I feel like they're not going to... I mean, this guy can come to the studio if he wants as well. And he can he can yeah, stare at it the welcome. whole time, make sure we don't do anything weird. Mm -hmm. Or they can send us the controller to inspect on its own. Yeah. So Sony, there's many options here. We just want to join the Japanese media, that's all. Google has delayed mandating Play Store payments... This that new rule in India until April 2022. Mm. We report on this story how people were a bit upset. Yes. Some developers. Oh, by the way, the application, which I was saying paid them, huh. it was Paytm. How boring is that? You remember <laughs> you, were, you were saying, nah, it's probably just Paytm. And I was like, no, no, no. What about paid them? I paid them. Yeah. And, and, well, and it I, was very creative. Good job. But I was just thinking, man, what a missed opportunity. Or although maybe it's a, 
a double entendre. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's what that means. Uh, anyways, they, Google saw what was going on, and they they probably saw the clip on Lou later, and they were like, and what we were sitting there saying, hey, guys, you got 99% of the market in India. You better chill. Uh-huh. I mean, you're going to come under some scrutiny in a minute here. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, Sundar and everybody else, they watched the Lou later clip, and they're like, you know what? He's right. Yeah. We should just chill. We got everything over here. Uh-huh. And so th- that's exactly what they're doing. They're chilling until at least April 2022 where they'll revisit it. And, of course, this is all part of the concerns that were being raised around the 30% charge, which is the same hot water that Apple's in with Epic and everybody else. Mm-hmm. This 30% piece. And this group, this conglomerate, this, uh, what's the word for it? Consortium? It was a bunch of yeah. developers. They came together with their various companies and their various apps, and they said, we're going to go talk to the government right now. Mm-hmm. They said, we want our, we want to have another store. If we don't like these 30 points, we want to have another store on Android. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it, as you know. Uh, a coalition. How about that for a word? Oh, that's a cool word. A coalition. Yeah. I like it even better. Anyway, so Google, they backed up and they said, all right, look, we're going to do a policy workshop. We're going to show you why your 30% is worth it. We're listening, basically. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to implement the thing until... April 2022 at the earliest. Like, just let's not talk about it right now. Mm. That's what they're saying. They're like, let's just, let's forget about all that. We're cool. We're Google. Counterpoint research, 99% of devices in India. We're cool. Yeah. Shout out Lou later. Yeah, we're cool. And shout out Lou later. It's official. Biggest news of the day. (laughs) Bing has been rebranded. That's Microsoft search engine. It has been rebranded. You want to hear the rebrand? Hmm. It's no longer called Bing. It's called Microsoft Bing. Hmm. Yeah, you feel the power of that. Oh, yeah. They had been toying around with the idea of putting Microsoft in front of it. Uh, Brands. Brands going to brand. Brands want to be brands. And they want to remind you they're a brand. Hmm. uh, Wherever they can. And I guess this achieves that. I was wondering why they didn't just go with Microsoft Search. Yeah. They kept the Bing. I think maybe wow. they, everybody wants that Google thing. You know, the, the thing where Google it's can actually be a verb. Yeah, I yeah. Googled it. They, they really wanted you to say, I binged, binged it. it. Ugh. I'm a, is... wait, wait, hold up. I'm just going to, I'm a bing that. I'm a bing that real quick. I'm a bing that real quick. And no one ever said it ever. But <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> I bet you somebody that inside of Microsoft says it. I'm sure, yeah. Right? Says to his boss, wait, just let me bing that. They call him Mr. Bing. Yes. You know. Because you know how that works internally. This guy. I mean, you can imagine places like Apple. Like I saw a couple of tweets floating around about how Apple is is um, talking about the innovation on the on the the button based touch ID on the power button. Mm. And you know, the engineers are saying like this was an incredible feat of engineering, it's an incredible task. And then other people underneath in the threads are, are like is Apple acting like they invented it, uh, a power button fingerprint? Because it's it's been there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I saw people commenting on that. But it's kind of like that, where when you you work in these silos, your whole universe is this one company, this one brand, this one device. And the conversations internally are nothing like what they are in the real world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've had this experience because I talk to people from companies and brands and I'm like, you do know there's this other product, right? That's yeah. kind of like your product. And they'd be like, it's a surprise or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a surprise that people in the real world aren't saying that they're binging things, but sometimes you need that reality check. Nothing against it, man. You got to be ambitious. Uh -huh. If if their target is to have people saying they binged something, you got to appreciate the ambition. It's just heads up. That's a tough gig. Mm -hmm. Heads up. Google's a th Google's a big deal, and mm -hmm. they've been doing it. Yeah. So just that's just a heads up. I mean, they could have gone to Microsoft Search, but I guess. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe eventually. Just sticking to the Bing thing. It's been tough to be a Bing, though. <laughs> it's the tough Bing to be a Bing. Yeah, it's been tough to be a Bing thing lately because of COVID. Their advertising revenue has decreased 18%. I mean, everybody's has. Even Google had problems in their Google, and you can Google something. So, but anyway, if you were wondering, it's official. It's Microsoft Bing. And weirdly enough, I kind of prefer Microsoft Bing to just Bing, just Bing on its own. Never really, I don't know. Never really landed. Eh? What can I say, man? Yeah. It's a Bing thing. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Google a little bit. How about a weird one from Google here? This Jacquard tech is so weird. It's one of these offshoot Google projects, which kind of never took off. You may have heard of it or remember it. With Levi's, they partnered with Levi's, and then yeah. they had the controls in the sleeve on a denim jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you were supposed to be controlling your device, which was controlling your headset, so you're skipping tracks and controlling the volume on your sleeve. And this was in, it kind of started to emerge in this era where headphones and headsets weren't that intuitive for input, mm -hmm. and they didn't do that much. And also, it was just around this idea of trying to, tech up everything including clothing like we haven't figured out clothing is still the same thing mm -hmm. it just doesn't feel like it has progressed from a tech perspective at the same rate mm -hmm. what are you still wearing cotton what are you doing with that cotton yeah i think gore-tex is like the main you got gore-tex yeah it's not electronic though and and and, and and you can't you. it doesn't impact the majority of the goods that you put on your body it would be like your jacket and that'd be it yeah uh what is your sock made out of? Yeah. I mean, it's still cotton. It's it's incredible. How, yeah. Well, shout out to cotton, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking down on it. Side That's note, why it stayed for so long. because it's, it's so good. Side note. <laughs> the card tech. <laughs> shout out to cotton. Side note. <laughs> of all the places we could have ended up today, I did not expect to get to a cotton shout out. Today's episode is sponsored by Cotton. Mm. Tried and tested. True. Been doing it for years. Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, people have been trying to tech up the clothing. I guess it didn't really take off that much. I don't see it in public all that much. I'm glad somebody's working on it, excited about it. But now they're bringing that same tech, the touch fabric, into the backpack. It's the Samsonite Connect Eye. They're trying to do the, the iPod or iPhone thing, but at the other end. I got an idea. We put the I at the end instead of beginning. Mm. It's not the I connect. It's the connect I. <laughs> By Jacquard Tech? <laughs> well, Jacquard Tech is just that they're not even going to use that in it. Oh. Right? They they would just say it's the connect I, and they wouldn't even necessarily market the fact. They would just say equipped with Google technology maybe. But Google calls it Jacquard, <laughs> which reminds me of Picard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is the Star Trek guy. Yeah. So I don't know. If I'm Very the only good. one, maybe I'm the only one. It's actually not the first backpack, by the way. There's an Yves Saint Laurent, eight hundred and eighty dollar 
backpack, which there's a link to, which apparently has the same tech, except it costs eight eighty. Okay. This one, on the other hand, is two thirty. Anyway, it works the same way as it did in the denim from Levi's. It's all these strips which are programmable. You can have them do various tasks on your device through an app for both iOS and uh, Android. And it's going to be a lot of skipping tracks, turning up volume, maybe triggering an assistant or something like this. But it just it's just hard, man, because now our devices are so smart. Our earbuds, I mean, if I just reach up to my earbud or to my headphones and I just turn up the volume, is it all that different? I'm reaching here, I'm reaching here. Mm. And maybe ideally it would be voice input. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to no. complain because extra inputs is cool. I can just see a lot of people saying for that little added versatility to touch my strap on my backpack instead, do I want to pay 230 I hope it's a good backpack anyway, mm -hmm. but do I want to pay 230 to have right. the high-tech backpack? And then I got to charge the backpack. That always kills me. Whenever there's some new thing, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe. But then I realize I'm plugging my backpack in too every day and yeah. I'm bothered. Can Especially it? when I read this thing, by the way, this is last thing on this. Yep. It charged with micro USB as well. Oh, that's offensive. It feels so dated. Why can't it be like your motion can charge the device? Kinetic. Yeah. Good luck. You know, that's down the road. For sure, that's down the road. Or like the sun. I yeah, I don't know. Power. I don't know what to tell you, Will. It's it's one of these other. It's one of these things that you know will be a thing eventually. It's just yeah. so early. Mm -hmm. It's still early, and those uh, drawbacks that we mentioned, they're 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 drawbacks. They're legit drawbacks. But for somebody who just wants to be as high tech as possible, full out inspector gadget in their daily life, like oh, you didn't see this yet. Mm. Those people exist. For them, I mean, I don't know what else you can do with a backpack that's going to have that effect. You, yeah. you show up, you're like, look, I got the Jacquard tech. Where you been? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I'm just so outdated. But good effort on them. Yeah, then I plug you know, in my micro USB and you're like, what? <laughs> the company Zeiss is putting out a $6,000 full-frame camera with a ridiculous price tag. Well, that's what the 6000 part's about. Mm. That's Gizmodo's headline. Mm. But what's special about this, the reason I'm talking about it, is not that it's so expensive, not that it's full-frame. Those things are interesting zeiss as a company really high end i mean they do some they do some stuff i don't yeah. know if they're on the level of leica but it's in the same it's moving there yeah. in that direction and so you look at this and you say man that's it's got a single 35 millimeter lens on that full frame that's all it is it's fixed to make the thing super compact so you would say oh this is the simplest uh, uh implementation of a full frame camera as simple as you can do to keep it as small as possible because once you have a full frame you typically have much bigger cameras but the the twist here is the thing runs android not only does it run android it comes preloaded with a version of adobe lightroom so that you're editing and doing everything right in the camera and this reminded me of when they attempted it with the samsung android camera point and shoot with a zoom lens which i thought was going to solve all my problems once upon a time I think I brought it to CES one year and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot these videos and publish them to YouTube right from this point and shoot camera. Did it work? It was called the Galaxy camera. Oh, this one. It's a Samsung Galaxy camera. Crazy stuff, man. I think it worked, it but cool. it wasn't the greatest camera. It was still a small sensor. It didn't satisfy that portion. But 
when you have a full frame and you have Zeiss optics and you have six thousand dollars, <laughs> yeah, presumably you could be you could shoot and post straight from a super high end camera with an f2 35 mil Zeiss lens. Now, my thing is, I don't have the flexibility of multiple camera units, which even a high end smartphone typically gives me. I get it, it's not even close to full frame, but to only have a single 35 kind of bugs me. Anyway, it's it's cool to see camera companies try to figure out what they're going to be in the future. And even if they're going to slam Android into a super high-end camera to see how people will, what mm -hmm. people will do with it. If you can skip steps in some circumstances, that speed can... That looks like old Android, by the way. Yeah. It's weird that the screen like is not... You want a bigger screen, too. You're no, complaining. Is it, uh, is it folded? Yeah, it's it's not flat. It's like folded in one place. It's Interesting. Just kind of weird. So therefore, it's an OLED. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it might be. So it's a very minimalist design. It also comes with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and NFC. It's got a USB-C port, and it has built-in storage as well. There's 512 gigs of onboard storage. Adobe Photoshop Lightroom allows you to edit photos right in the camera on the 4.3-inch touchscreen never needing to sit down in front of a PC. Although that's not the hugest screen to be editing photos, but I suppose it's for minor edits and then publishing. Uh, but since it also has Android, you could very easily offload the stuff hmm. to nearby computers or whatever else you want. It can shoot 4K video as well, but it is 6,000 bucks. Just keep that in mind. I don't know. It could be a cool experiment. You know, sometimes you need a really high-end photo and you got to share it fast. Mm -hmm. If you're uh, Kim Kardashian or whatever. She'll be holding this? Maybe. I don't know. Cool design. This was your story, Will. You just love this story. You sold, you sold me on it. Mm. NVIDIA is aiming at fixing video calls. You know I hate video calls. We have talked about this. Yeah. I don't understand what the issue is, how we can be sitting here in 2020 and have lag-free COD war zone across planet earth mm -hmm. and yet a video call it's always impossible to have a natural cadence mm -hmm. converse uh, conversation cadence inside of a video call there's this lag and potato cameras are everywhere mm. and who knows which platform we're gonna pick i don't know is it gonna are we gonna be on teams or no we're on zoom what happened to skype mm. what so anyway, I get aggravated. I get irritated. Yeah, maybe too. I hear easily. it every day. Look, I mean, it's still it's amazing. You connect with people through video. Mm. It's amazing, but it just seems like these things should be fixable. Yeah. Well, it, it turns out Nvidia agrees. They are aiming to fix wow a tremendous number of things using AI inside of video calls, including AI compression, face alignment, conversational AI avatars, real time translation the denoise function, which I've seen in the past, the super resolution, which can take a potato cam and make it look so much better, again, real time, better virtual backgrounds, and auto framing that will actually track a user across the frame, which you're showcasing here, uh, this portion of the demo. Hmm. The denoise one is basically magic. There's a kid in the background playing a piano and just bye-bye to the kid, but the audio from the conversation remains absolutely perfect. And the face alignment, well, that is just uncanny 
where it's capable of aligning a face straight on that happens to be looking off camera. Watch this. Free view. It's about to get you here. Whoa! Easy! <laughs> it's able to guess the part of the face that's missing, I suppose, and straighten it out. Uh, translation's pretty cool in real time as well. If you're conversing with somebody who uh, doesn't speak your language, you can see, boom, instantly. Look at that. Pops up down below. Because speed, again, is going to be the key here. For this to actually work and be fluid and useful, it's got to happen fast. So they're apparently using AI in order to fix some of these problems. Hopefully, they can stick their AI on the lag stuff as well. Just mm -hmm. point their AI right at it. Mm -hmm. I would appreciate that. And everybody's going to have a far better virtual meetings since we're going to be living this virtual life anyways for the foreseeable future. I would love to have all the various computing powerhouses mm -hmm. targeting that, mm -hmm. focusing on that, and sticking to it, you know, so that we can, uh, well, I don't know, our lives, I can be irritated a little bit less. Yes. Just, that's, a, just a tiny that's bit. That's what matters, right? Speaking of irritation... Uh, you recall, I've been uh, talking about this story, NVIDIA trying to acquire ARM, proposing an acquisition of ARM, and how there may be some roadblocks, some government roadblocks, some uh, regulatory bodies that might say, to, might say, hey, get out of my town. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, maybe not in those words, but they may say, look, ARM is a, a UK-based firm, and this is one of our prized mm -hmm. innovative companies and you come in here and you just gobble them up and, and then what? You mm -hmm. gobble them up and you leave, don't you? Mm -hmm. And what about all those 3,000 people that are working in Cambridge? Yeah. Where, what do they do? Yeah. What about the coffee shops that serve them? Mm -hmm. You know, my usual rant on mm -hmm. the ecosystem, the various... Small business. Yeah, I don't have to go into it. Yeah. But anyway, this is how you fix it. You do stuff like this, well... Okay. So you're NVIDIA, and you start hearing some of that chatter that the UK may step in and not allow for the acquisition. And you say, oh, we're, you know what, UK? Funny funny, you're talking about us. Because you know the other thing we were planning? We were planning on uh, building the biggest supercomputer in all of Britain. And we were just going to do that. Oh, okay. Then yeah, that's we're, no problem. Yeah, we are just going to, you know, because you're the UK. You, you want to be uh, involved in the tech? We just, uh, we're just going to plop this supercomputer over here because we're NVIDIA. And it's yours. You can have it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's it. And just the ARM thing. It's forgotten. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. The ARM thing. We take ARM. Everything stays the same. You get the supercomputer. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly how it's pitched here. But, no, but. apparently they're going to put a 40 million pound, which is $52 million dollars. Uh, supercomputer in Cambridge, England. Cambridge, how convenient. Mm. Location of ARM. The supercomputer named Cambridge One is intended for artificial intelligence research in healthcare. Healthcare. UK, you don't like healthcare? Mm. Heard you like healthcare. Yeah. You see how this... this they, yeah, they those persuade. are all good words. These, are, these are words. Yeah. These are words. The announcement comes a few weeks after NVIDIA said it intends to buy British rival ARM for $40 billion. You see how this goes, Well, mm. You make the acquisition $40 billion, all you got to do is spend 40 million on the supercomputer. Yeah. 40 million, you get the deal done 40 billion. Makes perfect sense. You see that? That's yeah. math, well. That's all that is. Mm -hmm. You know what shocked me here? They're going to go put a 40 million dollar computer, supercomputer into the UK. 
which makes it the fastest supercomputer in the UK. Uh-huh. But it only clocks in at the 20 something fastest in the world. Where oh, it? so it's not the fastest in the world. No, just in the UK, the 29th most powerful computer in the world. Just the most powerful in Britain. 29th? Where are all these things? All this mega computing prowess going on. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? NVIDIA said the supercomputer can be set up in only a matter of weeks and it will be powered by 80 NVIDIA systems connected together. How about that for an SLI? <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole setup of 3090s. Okay, ask if NVIDIA expects to generate any revenue from Cambridge One. Powell told CNBC that Cambridge One is not a commercial endeavor. No, we're not going to make any money from it. Just give us that ARM thing. What do you need? How many supercomputers do you need? (laughs) Of course, I'm just putting these words in there. I'm just having some fun with it. So what is it used for? Just health? Yeah, they would, uh, it would be research. Research. So you could just you could just plug into this supercomputer and run your various processes. Oh, okay. Your various studies, your uh, various genome sequencing, and so forth. No, Nvidia is working on their AI camera. That's all stuff. They're just yeah, yeah they lied. Yeah. No, I I don't know. I I mean I don't know how to how connected the two things actually are. I feel the need to put this disclaimer in there, but judging the location of this investment. The lack of needing to make to generate any revenue from it, most most companies don't spend fifty two million and like now nah, we don't need to make any money. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they want to acquire this company based in Cambridge, it just there there's got to be some sort of tie in. Yeah. I don't know, maybe not. Another story from you, Willie Do. Hmm. Tesla hacker reveals what driver facing cameras looking for. So. I tried to deny you this story, but then I read a little bit more. I thought, you know what? That is kind of interesting. Tesla originally, they said, yeah, we're just putting this camera in here. We're not going to really use it for anything. We're just doing research and it won't be connected to you at all. Not you, the person. We'll just, it'll just go into a generic pool of just human activity. It'll all just be numbers and digits. No one will know that you were sleeping. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, no one really knew how this camera looking at your face inside of your Tesla was interpreting you interpreting your activities and this hacker well i guess he, you know he peeked into the code a little bit he took a little code peek just with his breakfast cereal hmm. breakfast cereal and a code peek that's what you do hmm. for when you're a hacker by the name of green oh which green. is a good hacker name if you focus on tesla yeah very fitting green hmm. anyway uh he discovered what events the automaker is trying to detect with the driver facing camera and i suppose these events would be sent back to them for their various learning processes and potentially their future pro- products and potentially their, their full self-driving maximum autonomy. They might need to know this stuff. I don't know. But here are the different statuses of a driver based on the car's interpretation of that driver. Blinded, dark, eyes closed, eyes down, eyes nominal, eyes up, head down, head trunk, truncated, what like you have no neck no i'm saying like <laughs> slouched over oh, slouched. <laughs> i assume maybe yeah head trunk what is it what is define truncated what does truncated mean i think you might be right shorten by cutting off the top or the head or the end or i could be right <laughs> a truncated cone shape replace an edge by plane 
shorten, cutting off the top. So the head, the head is cut off. Cutting the, oh, the top is cut off. Like in other words, it can't see the whole head, which would be if you were slouched on top of the steering wheel. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Head trunk is one of them. Looking left, looking right. Phone use. Ooh, it knows when you're looking at your phone. Tesla people, careful, careful. Mm-hmm. Sunglasses, eyes likely nominal, or sunglasses likely eyes down. Cool, it's seeing through the sunglasses also. Mm. Now, apparently none of this stuff is currently being utilized when it comes to tracking whether or not you're paying attention. The only thing that they do is detect if torque is being applied to the wheel, which of course you've experienced when we had the Model 3 over there. Mm. Apparently none of this stuff is in motion yet. And if they're using it, it's only for future pro- pro- uh, projects, and it is apparently anonymous for the time being. But maybe you can derive something from these code words as to what Tesla may eventually be looking for, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe you would, maybe you should keep your head from trunking. Yeah, be careful. Mm.